Welcome to Payne on Politics, a podcast where host Dr. Gregory Payne of Emerson College sits down with fellow experts to discuss the current state of politics, public opinion, and global affairs. In a world growing increasingly complex, communication and critical thinking is key. This only makes the Emerson motto, expression necessary to evolution, more true. It's the uh, happiest time of the year, and I'm here with, to me, one of the happiest people I know, especially when you look at how successful he has been at Emerson College, and that is none other than America's favorite pollster, Spencer Kimball, director of Emerson Polling. Of course, I am Gregory Payne, the co-director of the Global Center with Emerson and Blancarna. So, Spencer, you have had time to digest what we just absorbed in the midterms. First of all, how many polls did Emerson Polling do in what I call the decade of distinction for Emerson Polling? Well, uh, again, thank you for having me, Dr. Payne, and also thank you for being our number one fan. I give you that uh, title here today. But uh, with that said, yeah, it's been pretty interesting that a decade of Emerson College polling is, uh, you know, coming to an end. And as we take a look at and think back about what we've been able to do over the last 10 years, our first race was with Ed Markey, and Ed Markey's still in the Senate. So uh, numbers there were pretty strong, and obviously we've had a chance to jump around the country. But I think the biggest takeaway is to talk about methodology. I know the listeners may not be so excited about that. But when we started this program uh, a decade ago, the idea that we could collect data not using live telephone operators was pretty much... Uh, dismissed by the academic community. And I sit here today looking at more colleges picking up web to text uh, online uh, using less uh, live operator than they did a decade ago. So suggesting that we are on the right track and uh, we'll continue to push it forward. Well, I know one thing that we're trying to do at the Global Center, and we'd like to congratulate uh, the president of the uh, Blancarna Foundation, Joseph Carbonell, is to bring leaders like you, global leaders, uh, together and you and your team. Uh, of course, we've looked not only at electoral polling, but you've also been involved with uh, health communication with Dr. Ratson. You've done some work at CUNY and a wide variety of other places, which many of our listeners do not know, I would like to say to Aunt Jean, happy birthday. And of course, she's one of your biggest fans on RFD TV in Benton, Illinois. But when we look back, Spencer, as you said, I remember being at a meeting where both of us thought maybe this was kind of the final chapter because the school and department seemed to be going in one direction. And I think perseverance uh, was was a key that you and I have worked on. Uh, You talk about methodology. Where do you think... uh, we are now with regard to methodology and dispelling the idea that polling is something that is a snapshot and we really can't trust and aberrations, et cetera. So how have you been able to perfect it and where do you think we're going from here? Well, I think we're going to see more polling as we move forward. And I think the public has become a little bit more aware of how polls work as far as the margin of error. Uh, We've spent this decade trying a a campaign called Polling Literacy to try to raise awareness that a poll has a margin of error and that it should be read, read as a range of scores as opposed to an exact score like a a baseball game. So I think we've done a good job of of implementing that. And then as we move forward, uh, more, I think, universities and colleges 
will be uh, conducting public polling in their areas. And again, we see these pre-election polls, and that's what gets a lot of the attention. But as you mentioned, this methodology and this research allows us to do non-pre-election issue advocacy work. And so if you noticed, uh, last summer we worked out in Minnesota on usury rates for payday lending programs. Uh, We've currently working in a lot of health communication, obviously from COVID. And uh, when a lot of these live call centers had to get shut down, our methodology really um, amplified what its abilities were because we didn't need live call centers. And we were able to collect data really in those early days of COVID that we still haven't had a chance to fully reflect upon about how we, we our attitudes and, and, and behaviors changed during those first few months. And now as things come back to uh, a pre-COVID world or a post-COVID world, uh, what those attitudes and behaviors are going to be moving forward. You know, I think when we when we explore the idea that Emerson polling is much more than electoral politics, I know there's nobody who knows, you know, the down in the weeds issues uh, better than you in terms of districts and precinct people. You and Izzy and Camille, uh, I think, are, you know, respected around the not only the nation, but the globe in terms of your ability to really do that. One question I would have for you, and you and I have made no secret about the idea of having something more established uh, for the Global Center in D.C., if you were in D.C., uh, which I think is where you know you're going to be going, and hopefully we're going to be setting up shop, what are some of the advantages of being D.C. with regard to Emerson Polling and the center? Well, um, obviously our work is in issue advocacy, sometimes electoral advocacy, and there's a lot of issues here in Boston to work on. There's issues in on our L.A. campus to work on, but the issues of the country really boil in Washington, D.C., and to really be impactful in, 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 in the action that's where it really is going to be. So um, every trade organization, all of these other associations, groups, uh, they generally have in headquarters in Washington. And I look forward to the opportunity to working with these different orgs moving forward. Well, I do know that Joseph Carbonell is excited about that. I think, as you said, uh, when I think back of my time at Emerson, which is, you know, 35 years, uh, there was nothing quite like the, uh, the celebrity spectacle of the Watergate, Woodward at the Watergate with Caddy Kay. And, of course, not only talking and, and previewing what you were doing, and, of course, we had uh, uh, our good friend uh, from D.C., Joseph Campbell, and you then, of course, pr- talked about the Hispanic study, this historic Hispanic study. Could you give us a little bit of a synopsis of what that, what that is and then also steps for, moving forward for that particular study with Laura Barbarino and her team? Yes. Um, so... I, I Maybe taking a step back, if we looked at these elections, yes, we obviously want to make sure our margin of error, we were able to shave off about a half a point from our average error up from previously around 4.1, 4.2, down to about 3.6. Um, but more importantly, we've expanded our methodology. So while everybody's looking at those pre-election polls, what we were testing this time around were email data collection. So yes, we've collected data using IVR, we've collected data using uh, text to web and online, but now we are using emails to solicit folks. And we came up with this technique using it through the Hispanic survey, because unlocking the Hispanic vote, first you have to capture the Hispanic attitudes. And anybody in public opinion research knows that this is a very difficult group to capture because they don't take surveys. There's a very large lack of trust with government organizations, with organizations in general, from the Hispanic community for a variety of reasons. 
reasons. And what we learned through that was that emails was a another platform to be able to collect this information. So that's what we were able to start building on. And as you take a look at our 115 polls from 2022, we now probably have one of the larger databases of how email uh, composition of the panels would look. And so what we're hoping to do is uh, I'll be teaching a class on unlocking the Hispanic vote this spring semester. Uh, we've got a full room of students and uh, we're going to give the students the opportunity to look at this primary data firsthand, watch the focus groups, read the, the, the survey results and come up with their own conclusions of how to unlock the Hispanic vote because this vote is not going away. It's only going to continue to grow in its own importance. Um, and we also hope to have the opportunity to start studying the Asian vote, which is also a, a fast growing group and uh, growing of political importance as well. Well, I can't say enough about that. I think what's interesting is the fact that you have this uh, plethora of data that you're going to be able to use, which of course is exactly the fulcrum that any good researcher wants to have. So even though you've done an incredible amount, 100, over 100 polls, and you've had Izzy in Colorado, Arizona, and Laura looking at the various specifics of each of the Hispanic populations, my question to you is, and this is something uh, in my other role as chair at Emerson, you hear students talk about how much they love Emerson polling and they really get excited. Uh, I don't really feel that when I talk to some other friends of mine in polling. What is it about Emerson polling and the immersiveness of what you do with them uh, that takes them all the way through, even including doing broadcasts, which, of course, I remember fondly in terms of the Iowa caucus with Connor Dane? Yeah, so uh, I think you nailed it in the immersive actions of Emerson, and we just happened to do polling. So there's other immersive activities here on campus. There's theater, there's other film, but here we have a polling program where students aren't just here to kind of look at the final results and open up the present, you know, on election day. They're there to make the the poll. Uh, so they're at the initial stage of questionnaire design. Uh, they think about how we're going to collect that data. Do we use emails? Do we use landlines? Do we use cell phones? Do we use online panels? Who are the who's the the universe that we're trying to learn from? Then we got this raw data, and students look at this raw data and they're like, "How do you make sense of this? You know, because this doesn't look right." And we explain how weighting works and how to analyze. So this immersive opportunity for these students to learn by doing really expands their opportunities. And then, as you said, you know, our film, our journalism students, they love the opportunity to create news broadcasts and shows. And that's something that we hope to build upon in the future, where uh, each one of our polls will come out. And it gives the students a, a real hands-on experience from, you know, soup to nuts, essentially, of the whole polling process. And I think that's what why they gravitate towards the program and towards the courses. I think what's exciting is you and I and others have um, have spoken and talked. That would include, of course, uh, Linda Peak Shack and some others. Uh, the idea of a, a DC center where you have a individuals and students and faculty from Blancarna as well as the other 12 or 15 universities in Globecom as fellows and you spearheading what seems to be just a real evolutionary through expression uh, example of what Emerson's all about what a wonderful opportunity it is I know there's some other topics uh, Spencer that we want to explore I know that you've got a, a call which of course is just characteristic of being as uh, busy as you are so what I would like to say is thank you for that decade of distinction. And I would say as we look at 2023, it's going to be onward and upward for 
you and polling. And I look forward to chatting you again about some of the legacies as well as the future pathways as you as the director of Emerson Polling. Thanks again for all you do.